Hello and welcome to episode 179 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this lovely evening are my wonderful co-hosts, Rabin and Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Rabin? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. It's spring is in the air. The snow was melting a little bit early in Alaska. Yeah, how is, how's your weather up there? We actually, our weather's been actually crazy for the last uh, two weeks here. It's been warm, but not too crazy. Like, usually if it's warm right now, it'll rain and then turn to ice on the roads and it'll be really dangerous. Uh, but ooh. not so much of that, so I can't complain. Yeah, we've had about a 20 or 30 degree temperature swing over the last two weeks. Um, it was like 50 for several weeks in a row, and then it hit 80 last Friday. So, Whoa. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. But anyway, enough about the weather. How are you doing from the land down under spirit? Uh, speaking of nature, I was shaken awake by an earthquake this morning, uh, which is not how I intended to start my day, and it turns out that, uh, it was a very frightening experience for me, uh, for not mentally. You. Yeah, for sleeping me, sleeping me was terrified. My heart was like, awake me was like, mm, hope it stops, because I don't want to get out of this bed. I was not phased at all by the earthquake, but I was more annoyed by the fact that I might have to get out of bed if it got potentially dangerous, but it didn't. Mother Nature waking me up. First you got mom, and then you got Mother Nature. (laughs) Like, you just can't catch a break. No. Terrible. Um, All right. Well, uh, this week we don't actually have any news news to talk about, so I think we're mostly just going to sort of shoot the breeze about what we've been doing the past week, uh, mostly involving Super Adventure Box and or legendary construction on my part. Is there anything, anything either of you want to lead off with? I I'm kind of I'm kind of indifferent. I kind of wanted to go back to uh, stuff we talked about last episode real quick and just kind of I don't know speculate a little more maybe. Sure. This last episode, we talked about, uh, you know, the whole legendary debacle. Was that right? Was that episode before last? No, that was last week. It was just that we had to take a couple weeks off due to various reasons. And so it was really late for the legendary debacle. Yeah. I was thinking about that more. And I was thinking about how on this show a lot, we uh, tend to play, you know, good cop, bad cop with Arena Net. And we've all all done it, you know, back and forth. And last week, we switch around. (laughs) Because last week. I don't know. We all, we're all grumpy sometimes. Let's we'll just put it that way. <laughs> anyway, right? Who is good cop? Spirit. No. Anyway, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Anyway, we would pay rock paper scissors for it at the start of every episode. It's part of our. That's show part of process. a pre-show. It's part of the pre-show. That's right. The hidden behind-the-scenes act where we decide <laughs> now who gets to you pretend know. to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh! Pretty soon this is going to be. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> so. Last week, um, I don't remember if it was Spirit or you, Grebach, that said, um, we're talking about, you know, systems, and I think I said something about how, you know, maybe this will be a new a new trend, and this will get rid of legendaries, will actually let them do things and focus on what they need to focus, so then someday legendaries can come back. And then someone mentioned, well, what about all the things they put out, and what if, you know, they take uh, specializations and just say, oh, it was... We need to lay the groundwork and destroy the specializations, which was laying groundwork according to them, and start yeah. anew. That was that, that was mostly me on the uh, cynical. I know, end. I know, but I'm I'm bringing that up because I'd thought of that before you'd said it. I'd talked to other people about this very same example, and I just hope, and maybe this isn't true, but I just hope that this the difference between you know the difference this time with legendaries being you know put off the table indefinitely, whatever's happening, is that 
the change in tone of it. It seems like maybe this time they're doing it and not saying, oh, we uh, need to lay new groundwork. They're doing it because they need, they know that they have too much on their plate and they need to reorganize. And maybe they've said it, put it this way, like they did the legendaries before, saying, oh, there's too much on our plate. We reorganize. But that's the feel I'm getting for it. So I really hope that that's what's happening this time. Yeah, I mean, we can we can hope for sure. No, it makes sense. I mean, we can hope. Like, I mean, we always hope that they're really going to stick with it this time. And we must hope because we all are doing this podcast and we do love this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Spirit. Do you have any thoughts about that? Nope. I mean, I do have thoughts, but I've already expressed them on the podcast and frequently throughout the week as I was following up with people who listen to the podcast. I just hope so that I'm this good. what happens this time. Anyway. I mean, I hope that that's what happens this time, too. I've always hoped that they stick with it. I just, you know, we'll see. But on the other side, I would not be surprised if in a year they say, guess what? We're not ever giving you any more Super Adventure Box. But Legendaries are back. Oh, God. Uh... Oh, that would be the worst case scenario. Just like... But it wouldn't surprise me. I, I know. Yeah. It's... Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I I don't really want to dwell on the negativity per se, but it's they've I've I have run out of of uh, second chances on on like whether I'm just going to take it at face value or whether or not I'll just say mm-hmm. So you know, always I always hope that they put out what they think they can put out and that they stay consistent with you know what they've promised or what they've stated they're going to do, but uh, evidence speaks to the contrary at the at the moment. So. Anyway, I have been working on, speaking of legendaries, I have been working on Astralaria for the last week. Pretty much that's all I've been doing in-game. I'm, I, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's a little bit obtuse uh, trying to sort of follow the wiki because it's not necessarily laid out in the chronological order that you do things or, or that you should do things, I've found. There's a mm-hmm. lot of... You know, do this thing. Oh, and by the way, it goes into this thing. Where do you get that thing? Oh, that's like 10 down the achievement list. Like how you got that. And I was like, it's, uh, there's been a, a little bit of my head spinning on it, but overall, I'm finding it at, at least interesting. It's getting me back into some, some older zones that I haven't been to in a while. So, which, um, which collection are you working on? For Astralaria, the axe? Yeah. Or do you mean which, like, which, which tier? tier. Yeah, which, which step? Oh, I'm on tier three. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's where it started to get fun for me on Nevermore, and I found Tier 4 was very... Um, that was the, definitely the coolest part. Yeah, um, I have... I've I've looked ahead, and it seems like it's... Tier 3 and 4 are almost entirely going out and doing and finding things in the world, which is pretty cool. Yeah, if you played... Um, and I, I guess, you know, spoilers for everyone does, who doesn't want to hear about making Nevermore, if you... Don't want to hear about that for some reason. You can turn away now because I'm going to talk about Collection 4. Um, but it was a really cool sort of way of structuring it because if you played the Collection forward, you started with, like, if you started from the beginning and went down the list of things for, in, in order of the Collection, you started with a um, by getting a raven egg and then you um, did all this preparation to hatch the raven egg. Then you had to go around and get all the stuff to feed it. You had to go around and uh, teach all these things to fly. And then you had a raven. And then if you played the collection backwards, it was about finding a spirit, um, you know, taming the spirit, chasing it all down. And the 
beginning and end met in the middle where you had a raven and a spirit and then you fused them together and then the middle thing in the collection was done. I thought that was a really cool sort of like um, visual. I don't know, like it was a, a secondary layer to it that I think a lot of people doing the checklist could have missed on Nevermore that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get the sense that that's sort of what's going on here with Astralaria. Like uh, you're you're coming at it from an angle of weaponsmithing and creating this this the the steps of it are called you know like the the device the the apparatus the mechanism i think those are the three like pre is it really azurin intensive then intrinsic uh no it's not it's more um it's sort of all over the place but i mean that's sort of the parts that you're weaponsmithing um so that's sort of where your material sinks are going is towards that stuff and then uh, but now this latest here is a little bit more Asurin in the sense that it's going to have some fractal components and uh, something in, from Thaumanova Reactor. And, and so, yeah, there's there's some Asurin aspects in, in Tier 3. And then the other angle is the sort of Cosmos version. And so in Tier 2, which was sort of one of the biggest material sinks where, you know, you just craft a whole bunch of stuff. The two things that you were crafting, one of them was, was like, teach me about weaponsmithing and making a super sick axe. And then the other one was like, teach me about the cosmos and the cosmic magic. And so those ones, I had to do things in like, each of the steps was some kind of different magic. So it was like desert Mm -hmm. magic, oasis magic, uh, a few other things like that. And so you, um so yeah so it, it took me to silver waste and it took me to dry top and then i had to get some um obsidian and just just all sorts of stuff and so yeah and then and then for the next collections i've looked ahead and i am going to end up doing um like star charting apparently like you have to go to places at night and like chart the stars out which is kind of a neat now, how do you get night interior? I'm not real clear on that. My first time that I saw that you had to do something night, I think it was the the crab hunt, the carca hunt in uh, Mind's Arch. As as far as I know, the maps are just on their own cycles, so you just have to sort of be there when it's nighttime. There's but a it's huge... not like go ahead. Sorry, there's a huge, really detailed wiki page on the day and night cycle that someone made a while ago, and it's really cool. Like I don't know if you like wiki pages or whatever, go check that out. Yeah, uh, I, I actually haven't. I probably will now that I have to do it. But yeah, it's there's definitely a lot of cool fluff stuff involved in the higher tiers of the of the crafting. Um, and you know, to to loop this back into the cancellation of legendaries, I think that people are not giving enough credit to how much work goes into adding these events into the world and adding all these unique assets and adding all these triggers and you know, making sure that they fire and all those types of stuff, because I'm sure that's where the bulk of the work went in terms of making these legendary collections for everything. And the fact that they had to make them for all the existing legendaries also, you know, so it's like they couldn't, they couldn't spend a ton of time before hot making all of the hot legendaries because they were spending that time making all of the core legendaries. Um, It's just a lot of work. And I can also imagine, you know, like I think we I think we brought it up. I can totally see them getting pulled off to help with other collections, especially like maybe Winter's Day and or um 
Halloween. What's the... So there's a collection team, not the uh, legendary team. <laughs> that's kind of what yeah. my suspicion is. Yeah, like maybe not. Maybe that's unfounded, but that would not surprise me one bit if that if they sort of were the team that had all the expertise in doing that kind of stuff and you know we're just getting pulled off to do that a lot i just had a weird deja vu because i i was like yeah we've had this conversation before and then i realized we didn't um i had this exact conversation with alona from guild wars reporter yesterday oh the same thing that they might be getting pulled off work on other collections yeah yeah and 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 that i think i don't know i honestly i don't know if that's been said officially or if that's just sort of a common community theory it just it it makes a lot of sense um Mm -hmm. which doesn't really make me any happier about it but i at least understand how that kind of thing can happen and yeah i don't know i definitely i definitely felt bad when people were giving the actual team a lot of garbage about not putting out stuff fast enough because like there's just no way to know what the workflow is like so i would at least urge people to lay off that kind of commentary you know what else made me sad totally veering off but i just had a remembrance as we were talking about legendary uh in collection four uh i had to raise that raven and it was an actual item that sat in my inventory and i had to manually feed it these items um and then i had to sacrifice it unto the spirit and i lost that item and i was legitimately cut up about it because i had carried it around on my neck or on my uh my mesmer for a long time and she had her little snowsuit and her raven she was carrying around the jungle in a snowsuit, which didn't make any sense, but it was around Christmas at the time, so leave me alone. And, uh, yeah, I was legitimately cut up about having to put my raven into my staff. And, I mean, technically it's still there because it's sitting on my shoulder right now. Well, it's kind of um, dark. <laughs> yeah, but I feel sad about it. I thought that was cool. That I think that was the first sort of collection that I've uh, actually given a hoot about. Yeah, did you have to sacrifice elements in it to make future tiers of elements? Um, because I've had to, and it makes me nervous so. every time that I click salvage on those things because I'm like, oh, dude, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, I think that's a common thing for all of the legendary precursor steps. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've had to do that for the the fractal backpack, and I I'm almost 100 percent sure I had to do it for Nevermore. I don't remember exactly though because it's been a while now. Yeah, it's uh, nothing makes you nervous like salvaging a piece of ascended gear or a salvaging <laughs> yeah. part of a precursor. Uh, pro tip though, if you are making the fractal back piece and you're freaked out about how many um, globs of no balls of dark energy you need, globs of dark energy are useless. That really needs a sink anyway. Uh, balls of dark energy, the things that are acquired from salvaging ascended gear, but not rings because there are too many of them or whatever. Um, well, and because you can get those just from. Uh... Yeah. laurels and, and or, or yeah they're too they're too cheap um i don't know i think laurels would run need... out pretty quick if, if uh you could get the stuff from the rings that's true well you need two to get the collection started but once you once you build the first fractal back piece you can salvage it down for five which is more than enough to make the next collection and then you do the second one you salvage it down for nine which is more than enough to make the third one and Wait, so you salvage the unbound. back piece yeah you salvage it down, and it it drops the essence, which is required to make the next one. Oh, okay. But it also drops mats towards the next one. But so you keep once the you've skin, got your, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you make, uh, you know, your your final precursor, the unbound, you've still got a couple balls of dark energy left over. So pro tip: if you're freaking out about that, it is no, not I'm as bad as it sounds. No, I'm glad you said that. 
because I kind of stopped at the first back piece I made thinking, ah, I don't really want to dump all this dark energy into it and salvage any any ascended gear that I want. Yeah, I'm, I actually am completely and thoroughly uninterested in all the legendary back pieces we've seen, so a lot of this is even more new to me than it is to a lot of people because a lot of people started those legendary back pieces, and so they're already sort of familiar with the formula and concepts, and I definitely have found myself feeling out of my element with some of these things diving into them for the first time when everybody else sort of seems to know what the What other legendary back pieces are there? Is there a PvP one or is that not legendary? I think there's a PvP one. It's, um, I believe you can actually obtain the PvP legendary back piece. Yeah, actually I know you can because there's a kerfuffle about it not having like Viper stats and stuff. Uh, Because those hot stats are very unobtainable. Unobtainable, yeah, they are. Um, So... Yeah, that one's actually obtainable. The fractal back piece is you can obtain the final precursor, but you can't finish the legendary on it. Um, so Jalinar and I have a sort of uh, competition going as I, I seem to accumulate uh, Guild Wars 2 rivals in which we try to outdo each other in various things um, to see who can get their legendary back piece first because I've got my uh, fractal precursor done and he's got his legendary precursor done. And if the next PvP season ends before, um, or starts before, I am able to finish my Fractal Legendary, that he will win. So it's sort of like, uh, predicated on the fact that they will actually add the Legendary to the game before, uh, that season happens, which I I have no idea what will happen. Um, but that actually segues into two interesting, or two things I wanted to mention. Uh, one that, uh, legendary weapons specifically are what are being affected by the legendary cancellations, not armor nor back pieces. That has been clarified by Mike numerous times, so don't worry about that. Uh, the other thing is, we have no idea what is coming in the patch next week, which is what I was hoping we could talk about today. <laughs> and instead, we're left to waffle about legendaries. Do you guys want to talk about the fact that we they're not talking at all? Because I find that deeply uncomfortable. Have, I mean, I can go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you. You finished your sentence. You were almost done. Fight me. Okay. Well, I I just find it deeply uncomfortable that they haven't been talking, and it's weird to me. I can understand sort of maybe why, but I was curious what you guys thought about it. Um. So have they talked at all? I know that they've talked about things like um making some of the hot currencies or like meta events more approachable um you know either on your own schedule yeah. or things like that have they talked so at all about got... stat acquisition because because you i, I mean don't that's know. that segue what we've got now is sort of a weird amalgam like so what i assumed based on past events and how they've handled patches in the past is like sort of in the week or two leading up to the patch we get a series of blog posts or maybe a high, like, really detailed um, blog post about what we're going to expect, like we did for January 1st. And Colin said he would do another one for the next quarterly above. Obviously, Colin's not there anymore. And if that was an initiative he headed up, then it totally makes sense that, you know, they didn't give a, a big detailed post like he did. That's, you know, whatever. I don't really necessarily care about that. Uh, the thing is, to me, that we're expecting a big patch with, um, PVE, World v. World, and PvP features. Like basically, we have a a bunch of scattered blog posts that hint at we are getting things in each of those categories, but not specifically what they are or anything about them. 
Um, and we're, we don't even have a specific date for the patch. We assume that it's going to be on April 19th because that's when Super Adventure Box is going away and it makes sense in the sort of cadence of things. Um, but other than that, we know nothing about what's coming. And that sort of freaks me out, I guess. Robin, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I just assumed that, you know, this would be the big world change of the 19th, but I hadn't thought that it couldn't be. And since they're not saying anything, you're right, that draws a, raises a big question, rather. And, I mean, worldly world changes are supposed to be, I mean, we've got hints that they're huge. I'm pretty sure it's, isn't it confirmed that we're changing back to uh, Alpine Borderlands? I mean, that's pretty big. They should let us know if they've changed anything in Alpine Borderlands. I mean, I think it'd be cool if they moved some of the bosses that we see in the Desert Borderlands to the towers in Alpine Borderlands. Make some of the towers in um, Alpine Borderlands like the towers in the desert. You know, more than just bosses, you could put the, uh, of course, gonna put the, I would imagine with the detectivators. But, you know, we, they could do shrines. Maybe they've mixed it up a little. I mean, some, you're right, some sort of uh, preview or at least let us know what's going on instead of just figuring out when the patch hits is, seems mm-hmm. like the thing to do. Stuff like that uh, doesn't bother me so much. Um, I guess, like, so I think by the time they talked to us about most features, it was too late to change anything. And so if they brought it out and the community didn't like it and they were just, you know, angry about it until it came out or, you know, they were hyped about it and then it came out and they didn't actually like it and they were angry. Like I can see wanting to mitigate that by not talking about it until it releases. Um, I think what is scariest to me and, you know, I have no no basis for this. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen again. But last time, um, there was the big Burnzerker alacrity nerf that crotch-punched all of our raid groups, right? Because we weren't, we weren't the mm-hmm. top-end raiders that were, like, uber-speed clearing it. We're the people who, you know, maybe the Burnzerker was carrying the raid in damage, but it was just enough to let us squeak by. And we weren't stacking them. We had one Burnzerker in each raid. And then, you know, sort of it punched all the Burnzerkers who had fully geared out. You know, I just hit full ascended like the day before the patch hit, and I haven't touched it since, uh, which is killing me internally. Um, but things yeah, like rough. that just... And they won't talk about it, and so now I'm left sort of dreading the April 19th patch rather than having anything specific to look forward to, mm-hmm. uh, which is a different feeling and a little bit scary. Um yeah, I don't have anything really to say about it other than that. It's just a, sort of a different... They've not really taken this approach of like trying to surprise us before. And I'm not sure I'm ready to be surprised emotionally right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, do you have anything to add to that, Brevin? No. I just... When was it when they did that burn circuit nerf? Because that was rough on raids across the board, I remember. I haven't been raiding, so... I when did they know. nerf the burn circuit? I don't remember. I mean, I remember it happening, but I didn't really you know, take note of it couple it was a couple months ago i guess now yeah. at this point but um, just that that just leads back into our always our forever complaint you know it's a senate armor it's so hard to get and when you've got a build that works and all of a sudden it's you know destroyed for something like raids where you need all the don't need but all the stats you can get if you're just squeaking by are quite quite important it's it's really annoying so i can understand the frustration yeah um yeah, I wasn't going to go there because I get really ranty, but uh, I'll just say that I agree with you about <laughs> that. As for knowing what's coming or not, I 
Yeah, I, I don't know. At this point, I honestly don't know what to expect or to feel about the communication policy such as it is. It seems to be oscillating wildly between extreme amounts of sharing and now, you know, complete and utter <laughs> vagary of, you know, as you said, it'll touch PvP, PvE, and World v. World, also known as all of the game types in the game. So... Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know what to expect, so I guess I'm just going to take it as it comes. I've got other things and other games to be excited about, so uh, yeah, I'm not stressing about it too much. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, like I said, there's like, even if they talked about it, there's nothing we could really do about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, by the time they're ready to talk to us about it, no amount of stink the community made or me being upset that i don't know maybe they're changing a slight thing about my raid comp that i've meticulously planned out finally got everyone using and it's good and then oh didn't you hear they're making current or uh, making druids completely irrelevant and useless (laughs) yeah right speaking of druid we decided uh, that healer was too powerful of a role to introduce into guild wars 2 and so we've (laughs) therefore removed it i hope you really enjoy those zealots ascended gear you bought no uh no this that would be idea well mm, mm, yeah Mm. i um uh as we begin to at least as trivco one of our one of our raids begins to raid salvation pass we've still sort of been lingering in spirit veil because we uh got an eternal kill but didn't get eternal because it was bugged uh we are sort of moving into salvation pass more formally now and as part of that we had changed our raid comp around decided it wasn't working for a couple people uh and so now have switched our raid comp up again which has landed me on druid and holy crap (laughs) i don't trust myself to raid heal i'm not sure why anyone else does but uh i have been putting together a druid set uh, which happens to be full berserker because I already have an ascended full berserker set, and that's what our druid was running in Spirit Veil anyway. So we'll see if that works out. I've also sort of got a viper set in the works if uh, that ends up being better. So are people like down on the healing stat set now again on druid? Like I can't keep up anymore. No, it's so druid. Um, unlike any other role, I've done most of them now. <laughs> like the only thing I haven't played in raids is Tempest now. Um, more than any other role, Druid is entirely dependent upon your raid comp, what you're going to build. There's several ways you can do it, and that's how really interesting. Much you how you want to do it depends on your raid comp and the skill level. So you can go Zealots um, and Magi's and Clerics. Uh, druids all totally legit um clerics druids can tank i've seen that i've seen that done numerous times to great effect um you sort of want like another off healer if you're tanking bg but a druid can tank and raid heal gorsable just fine um there's also a popular composition where you run two condi druids and one in each party, they can keep huge uptime on Grace of the Land, and they deal way more damage than a normal druid. So that's sort of for, um, like, I know Nike from DNT is a big proponent of that. I'm not sure I'd run it in 
sort of relics as raid groups, but I'd like to try it sometime if we could get all the rules aligned properly. What, what do they use for that? What's like what stats? It's the or what weapons, it's pretty rather? much the the typical axe torch um, ranger condi build. So it, it's actually only two weapons. You put axe and no offhand in one set, and then you put no main hand and torch in the other set. So when you switch your weapons, it's axe torch axe torch, and you're running that in both your sets. So Ranger's got a really cool trait called Quick Draw, where if you swap weapons before using a skill, it reduces that, that cooldown really massively. That is a really cool trait. Like six seconds or something? Five. So by doing that, five. Okay, so you can maintain permanent bonfires uh, doing things like that, but it also works on Celestial Form. So when you switch into Celestial Form, that counts as a weapon swap, and the first skill you use in Celestial Form gets a massively reduced cooldown. There are some really cool combos you can pull off with that. Um, so yeah, so there's the double condi, and then you can go also um, just condi, maybe, if you have, an, say, an Oromancer off healer, which is how we've got our Slothosaur raid set up. We only run one healer in Spirit Veil, but we've got an Oromancer and a Druid in Salvation Pass so far. We'll see how that works out for us this week. I hope it's all right. Um, and then there's sort of a, you know, just standard Berserker if you don't need as much heals. Um doesn't deal as much damage as the Condi Druid, but you can also have the added advantage of running Staff. So for things where there are projectiles, like in Salvation Pass, um, you can you know uh, convert those projectiles to healing. You can, um, yeah, there's not a huge advantage to running, I would say, the, the Berserker one, where there are some sort of cool advantages to, to doing the other variants, um, other than, you know, you've got a healer, and if you've got sufficient DPS and the Berserker healer is good enough for you, then it shouldn't matter. And it doesn't matter for um, most things. I think maybe maybe for groups struggling on Gorsival, maybe that's a place to change it up, but you, I mean, it shouldn't be a, a big deal at all. So anyway, it's, it's crazy sort of customizable and the gear set you're going to pick is based on your group. But what I've got available to me on short notice is a full Berserker's Ascended set with Scholar Runes in it. Um, because I used to play Thief a lot. And I would like to play Daredevil and Raids. It's just that, you know, the groups I've been playing with variously and the roles I can fill. Daredevil just never happens to be one, so I'm not very experienced on it. The thing is, so this armor is all set up skin-wise for a human female thief. Um, it's, you know, it's nice and dyed black, it's got the queen's mask, it's very feminine, the Magitek coat, a little bit of ascended, like, uh, ascended armor mixed in, I, I think every piece is from a different set. I'm, this is, this is my fashion wars, okay? So, transferring that set over to my male Norn druid. He's fabulous, I've seen him. fabulous. <laughs> so I've gone with the protest outfit of putting the snowsuit on and dying it purely celestial, so I look like the abdominal snowman. And I am satisfied with this. Did you say abdominal on purpose? I did. Okay, just checking. Because he's very buff. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. I see. Yeah. Uh. Well, that's that's interesting. I. Yeah, I am very not in the know with raid builds. I know the raid builds for the one slash two classes that I have ascended gear for. I, I what I took from that was if I ever get legendary armor, it needs to be medium. That way, my my ranger can do whatever I want. I mean, and then sure. you have to change up the runes every time. Oh yeah. Woo. 
yeah, that's my. That. Did yeah. you guys speaking speaking of changing up the runes and all that? Did you guys watch that wooden potatoes video talking about runes and build I diversity? Did. I did watch I that did one. Not. I probably should have. But yeah, you know, I have not yet. He had some decent. I mean, he was more asking questions to the community and wanted feedback. But the ideas he presented were pretty good. I, I don't know if his final idea, where you know, put or the, the they're not sigils, where the the medallions in the game, put them back in the game, so the runes to get what three um, stats and then take up three slots. Well, maybe not three stats, but they take up three slots to get the full what is right now six um, abilities that are on them, and then fill in those stats. Just take the stats off the runes, fill in those stats with the medallions, and put them back in armor. That way, medallions have a place in the game because right now they're just basically for what amalgamated gemstones. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the jewels. The jewels, yeah, medallions and jewels and things. Yeah. Um, and so. Go ahead. That seemed pretty good, a pretty good solution. Though I don't know. I kind of think we should have legendary runes that we can sw- swap stats on. That wouldn't take care of the fact that we have so many runes that are useless. That's what she talks about in the beginning of the video, because you've got these awesome abilities on the ends of your runes, but then you've got um, stats on them that don't synergize at all with any build that anyone would use. So there's so many rune sets in the game that are completely useless, and I completely agree with that. So at least his uh, solution came up. His idea came up with a solution to the fact that so many rune sets are useless stat-wise. Yeah, um, I don't like legendary runes as the answer to that. In the sense that I feel like making something that would be inherently very expensive as basically a crutch to fix the fact that the system is clunky and doesn't work very well is not very appealing to me. Um, I mean, it would well, be better maybe than we having could do nothing. both. But you're right. Legendary runes would be, they would be inordinately expensive, I'm sure. But being able to change, or at least giving us an, extra- giving us an extractor that's not in the gem store, maybe that's the solution. I mean, so, no, go ahead. I will say this, and I've been saying it since the beginning for Ascended Gear, but what I would like is for once uh, you've applied a set of runes to it, you would be able to swap to that rune forever on. And so it sinks runes out of the game. But So you, you buy a set of undead runes. Maybe they're not meta, but at least you have that option if you ever decide to switch to it. And then if you uh, you know have a set of Berserker runes and a set of Crate runes applied to that armor, for that piece of armor forever on, you'd be able to choose between those three rune sets at will. Well, that I mean, would I would love that. Sort of my ideal. I and think that'd same be with just that, too easy. Sets. It'd be too oh, yeah. easy. I think they would. They, would I mean, <laughs> they have to give us a gold sink and grind for everything, don't they? I mean, uh, it's awesome, but I don't know. I just I, think that would be like the my ideal quality of life sort of thing. Is it like, would be if though. I, I agree with you. If I keep up- upgrading this set of ascended gear forever and ever, um, then I will just have eventually have a really good set of ascended gear that has all these various stats on it, and I don't have to turn to other places anymore. So it's a I mean, long-term progression system, sort of. The thing is, like, you said that they need a gold sink and all that stuff, but the real question is, honestly, who actually changes their runes that often, as opposed to just saying, F that, I'm not gonna get rid of these expensive runes, and I'll just either mm-hmm. run a suboptimal build, or only run one build. Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't imagine people are actually swapping out their runes of strength to other things, and then swapping them back. Almost Some ever. people are... Some people are making separates of armor, though. Some. Yeah, and... I'm a little bit tempted to, if I get around to it, once I'm done with this Viper set, 
um, start building another set of Ascended Heavy because I've got one set of Ascended Heavy gear shared between three characters and strength runes are optimal on one and okay on the other two. Mm-hmm. But I'd prefer to have Runes of the Scholar for Revenant and Guardian. And so it, it just makes me a little bit uh, grumpy whenever I play those in raids. Like, I could be better, but I'm not willing to spend the money to be better. Yeah. More optimal, I should say. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, but that's the thing is, like, are you know, if with the with the stat swapping, if, if you could unlock them permanently on those armors, you might still take multiple sets of armor because... Um, stat swapping them still costs money also so if you had a condi set and it's mostly a a problem air quote for condi versus um zerker stats basically because the runes for those are very rarely the same Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know the yeah it's his so wooden potatoes main one of his main contentions was that very similar to the original trait system there is a lot of cases where it's just kind of a mess where the stats that are on the runes don't really relate to what the, you know, what you would think of as the cool part of the runes, aka the proccing effects or... And there's no synergy in it. Right, there's no synergy in so many of them. And then in the few that there is synergy, they're just so far and away better that, you know, they're they're non-options because they're so good. And, you know... Which seems a theme in Guild Wars too. Yes, and in his and in his ideal solution, whichever the solution would be, it would be to remove the stats from them altogether because you know some of them some of them just plain don't fit, and some of them could fit, but they could also easily fit a different stat type, and they don't really add anything interesting. And so runes would be a lot more interesting if you could keep the proccing effects or the percentage based effects, um, and have them be actually useful for lots of builds um so because uh, we, we didn't actually cover that aspect of you know what his what his main point of contention was i guess which i would i would agree with those sort of premises like yeah i i think removing i think removing stats from trait lines was great for that same reason so i would totally support a similar treatment to runes in whatever form you eventually took with them but anyway you guys want to talk about some Super Adventure Box? Yeah. Sure. It's out. Because you guys have been doing it a lot, and I have not, so this one's up to you guys. Um, I have... Tribulation mode or not tribulation mode? <laughs> How are we going to start this? Just in general, I guess. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I did it. Was it just coming out last week when we sort of started talking about it? I think so. Yes. I think it was out right. for a day or two. Yeah, I rush 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 to finish all of my old achievements because i had never finished i had no achievements for world two because i had exactly enough time last time it was out to run through it all on normal mode and go that was cool okay exam and uh (laughs) never got back to it so i did all that this time um found all the secret areas and things which was uh more fun than I anticipated. I thought it would sort of be a checklisty um, sort of sad thing because I was just following the Delphi guides for the sake of time so that I had time to do other stuff um, while Sav was out. And but I, I turned out I had a lot of fun going and getting all the secrets, um, especially with the whistle, which I didn't know the purpose for last time. I just picked one up and not really paid much attention to it. But it turns out that there are three different songs you can learn, and they all have different abilities, similar to sort of a Legend of Zelda type thing. So 
Um, for example, one opens and shuts doors. So if you're on like two, three, and there's a, you know, a suspicious looking, it looks like the mouths that open and blow wind at you to knock you off and it's not opening, you might be able to play that song there and maybe it'll open up a new shortcut for you. Or um, there's a shatter song that shatters all the ice around you so the icicles can't fall on you or it lets you skip the sections where you have to run around an icicle and hit it from all three sides to knock it down. You can just play that song and it'll just fall straight down. I so, completely forgot about that. Like I, I yeah. had it and I used it, but it's been so long since I used it that I totally forgot. And the other one, I think I had never tried it, but the other one I think um, plays a, a sound if there's a secret entrance somewhere around you, mm. uh, which um, made me realize that that might be how people found some of these sort of really ridiculous, like shops inside shops inside shops because yeah, shopception that is, is actually pretty, a pretty thing. crazy. <laughs> Shopception's the name of the, t- the title, I think. The title, the achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, finding all the furniture shops, um, reminding myself that uh, I did, in fact, really enjoy trip mode, uh, despite not having a lot of time to work on it. So I ground out all of the achievements for World 1 and 2, and then for the next few days, ground out 16 runs of World 1 Tribulation mode anticipating that I would spend the rest of the week um, trying World 2 because I really wanted the the blue infusion. And I just got to a point where I was like, yeah, I can do this, but I can't do it happily within this time window. Uh, so I was sort of given up on that, and I decided that that's going to be next That's kind of what me. I wanted to get at because I haven't done all the achievements yet. I've done some here and there. I think you've helped me with some, some of them, Spirit. But... I really wanted the uh, Ascended Weapon that you could get by completing either all the uh, Trib Mode and Tribulation Mode in World 2 or World 1. So I ran 16 times through World 1, Zone 1, 2, and 3, and I'm a little bit a little bit done with it for now, but I re- really enjoyed it. I mean, getting that uh, momentum and getting that feel for doing it and getting the, getting the feel for you know getting good at it and being able to do the runs just a couple minutes was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but- it's just the like for me. I wasn't even I wasn't even getting burned out, but I knew that if I forced myself to do so many runs in so few days, then I would be burned out and angry yeah. about it. And so I just decided to wait till next yeah. year. Yeah, and knowing that, I kind of wish the festival was longer. It seems like what we had a little over two weeks for, it, or going to have a little over two weeks for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know if it was a little longer, I could space it out a little more. Um, you know don't feel like I had, I wouldn't feel like I have to do this now because it's going to be gone and I could get a little bit more done. But knowing that trib mode world or tribulation mode in world two is so hard, I'm probably going to do one or two of them and then just finish it off next year. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't remember if I said it last week, but I, I did tribulation mode for both of the worlds when they first came out and I beat both of them and pretty much just that was that was enough tribulation mode for me um which is fine i i am totally fine with that stance um i'm i'm amazed that you guys have even attempted to do that in this amount of time but you Um, get lightsabers like awesome lightsabers as skins i mean that's that's not motivation i mean i already have awesome lightsabers they're just not orange yeah i i didn't have any lightsabers so i mean i will never turn my nose up at a free or extremely reduced cost ascended weapon, especially if I know I can get it. Uh, I don't want to say fairly easily. I mean, but it's still easier than like I put in, Yeah, no, I put in the work up front. 
and it paid off and I got really good at it. And then at the end, it was pretty easy for me. So I liked that sort of sense of progression and I was really happy about getting an ascended weapon for it. Do you use action cam when you're running tribulation mode or not? I switch to action cam when I'm fighting something. So (laughs) I was constantly toggling it on and off, but um, I tried running with it on and then I would strafe off cliffs because I would forget that your character turns and runs in the direction if you're running like action cam. And so you you quote unquote strafe faster. Okay, that's uh, what I thought you told me. So I'm curious, how do you do those double jumps like in world two? No, I'm sorry, world one, zone two, where you have to jump and then jump back. How do you manage those without the action cam? I just spun my camera 180. Like I just fast about it. Now yeah, that's I don't what I did too. I I can't I haven't tried but that's probably why but I can't imagine doing it that way because action cam allows you to run backwards you don't get a move speed disadvantage because you're yeah. always moving. So that's how I do. It. I just have I have action cam on when I'm in trip in that the super adventure box and you just jump up go back. Been clever. <laughs> and it's really easy that way. So I was I wow, props to you for being able to spin your camera like that cuz I think I would either get a headache or puke or something. <laughs> probably somewhat I comes mean, down to it, mass yeah. sensitivity. Um, I do get motion sick in games and I didn't have any problem with that, I guess. I sort of have to, uh, like when I'm doing the river rapids section or the storm wizard fight, I sometimes, uh, if I'm like just doing DPS or whatever, I just sort of look away from my computer cause those are a bit intense, mm-hmm. but I mean, very cool. Like I, every time I go through them, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. But then also I'm like, mm, mm, not, not feeling so great. Okay. It's over. You know it's, it does, cool? never lasts long enough to be a problem. My lunch in oh, my yeah. stomach. Yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I definitely also I definitely think that a, a big part of my aversion to even trying uh, tribulation mode again was the fact that I did it blind like on release when it came out and it was uh I am sorry. It was an ordeal. We're talking like 3 plus hour runs on a single stage. Just Is like, that before the infinite continue coin? No. Oh, okay. No, but Cause I can't imagine trim mode without an infinite continue code coin. No, I can't. Well, and I mean, I remember that was sort of a lot of people sort of were frustrated by that. Like they felt there was there was definite discussion about whether or not it classified as pay to win to come out with a game mode that is so, so hard that it would require immense uh, grinding to get the continue coins or to just pay for it with real money. Um I when Trib Mode came out the first but... time, was that like a substantial gold investment? Because now it's not so bad to get um, the gems to buy it, I mean. No. <laughs> I mean, it was probably a little bit more um, than it is now, but in terms of like real uh, relative amount, but I don't know. I, I think the thing is that even though you can turn gold into gems, the people will always consider it a real money transaction because that is its primary mode of acquisition. Um, so like, you know, the, the fact that you can get gems with gold doesn't really like get them out of people talking about whether or not something yeah, is. I think I was in that camp shop. until I think we talked about this last show about the economy thing. Once I had 800 gold and found a way to just keep my gold going perpetually, it's not a big deal. I mean, I bought my uh, inventory slots with uh, gold by turning them into gems. There's a lot of stuff. I spent probably probably 2,000 gold in the last month or two on gems and just got all kinds of stuff. It's like, oh, I don't have to spend my money on it. This is cool. So, yeah. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, but, uh, I mean, 
you know, just to to also be clear though, like those those runs were fun. I mean, they were soul rending, but they were also fun because I was doing it with a group of people and we were sort of all doing the like, oh, I found the path. Okay, let's all split apart and like go in five directions until we all die and find the one way to go. And like, it was its own sort of fun, but also <laughs> also kind of killed my ability to muster any uh, fits to give if you will <laughs> but uh i'm 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 glad it's back um yeah i don't know i assume you guys have been doing the dailies too yes i did some of them i've sort of stopped now i'm not as fussed although i should keep going because ugh, i'm getting so close to i'm getting close to twenty one thousand achievables and that's mm. when i get my radiant boots so i'm like oh man, well are you doing enough shiny- to get the progress towards the orange weapons i got one so i've got two orange weapon skins so yeah i'm not too fussed about getting any more like i'm not trying to min max them or anything so and the orange weapon collection is what the backpack it's not like you get another sentinel weapon or anything that great so yeah i mean i guess you know so super adventure box now a festival now returning every year uh, maybe that'll be my long-term sab goal but nah, not too yeah. fussed about it yeah I will also already have, um, you know, 32 sab skins, counting my green and yellow ones, and probably then uh, another 16 blue ones next year. So I will have plenty of sab skins, and if I want a couple orange ones, then I can pepper those in as needed. Not really too fussed about collecting all of them. Yeah. On the fluff end of the question, which uh, which orange skins did you pick or have you picked yet? Warhorn. Warhorn all the way. Did you two warhorns? Uh, no, I I have one warhorn, and then I have one box still sitting in my bank. I happen to need, well, not need, but um, the only thing on my viper's necker that wasn't ascended was her warhorn. Um, so it was a match made in heaven when I got my ascended box. Even though I had to change the stats to vipers and reskin it, but um, yeah, I happened to be working on the the warhorn anyway and then when they gave me an obnoxious skin for it of course i was gonna go for it (laughs) it does not fit my necker at all she's all kitted out in like nice like uh fractal themed gear like i've got unbound and i've got laystone armor and it's all dyed blue and gray and just a very nice sort of fractal things and then i have this stupid bright orange blocky warhorn and i just go and it's great and then then i would recommend yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you, Robin? I went with the greatsword. Because um, I wanted a giant orange lightsaber greatsword thing. It's it's pretty cool. Um, Now, that was... Was that the last thing I needed? Yeah, because when I crafted a uh, Senate greatsword originally, it was for World v. World, so it didn't have circer stats. So now I have a warrior that's capable of being nearly optimal to do a Phal- Phalanx warrior or Phalanx warrior um, in raids. I keep gearing my characters for raids, though I'm not doing raids. It's It's weird. Yeah, uh, I I've always been partial to the shield, although I don't actually really use shield on anybody. But um, I think I'll get the shield with the daily because I like the shield too. Yeah, I still have the daily box in my inventory, kind of deciding. But I think I'll go for shield. It still has that super sick equip animation, doesn't it? Yeah. The, which which one's like, that? Like when you equip it, it like spins around, and then a super adventure sword flies out of the sky and like crosses. Oh, I didn't know shield. that. It's yeah, it looks more, amazing. Oh, no. shield. Yeah, it's on all the shields. There's also um. The scepter is animated, and the mace flails around like a flail. 
Um, that's, really? that's across all of them. Yeah. Uh, it was actually, I think, I'm not sure which way around it was, but one of them was bugged, so it didn't move. And so Josh Foreman actually asked permission to fix the bug because he wasn't sure if people had gotten attached to the skins as, you know, not flailing or flailing happens. respectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, no, I that's thought happened that with legendaries cool. where people don't want the bugs to be fixed. Yeah. Animation that's because bugs. those bugs make them look cooler. <laughs> anyway, I interrupted you. What was your train of thought there? Who? Me? I thought Spirit was still talking. Maybe I didn't interrupt her. Maybe she was. I don't know. I, don't I think we were just talking so. about just super adventure. We we're just skins. excited. Yeah. It just there. There's a couple more that like all the warhorns. I'm pretty sure all the warhorns have different sounds, uh, which are unique to other warhorns. I have no idea what it sounds like if you, like if the Tempest one overrides it or not, because Tempest has unique warhorn sound effects. Um, I don't know about that. I know the the mace and the scepter have unique animations. The shield has a unique animation. I, I don't know about the rest, but they're very cool. If you have... Oh, the staff has a, the bird flaps on it. Um, I don't think differently across the different colors, but it has some animation to it. So they're very cool skins. And if you, uh, you know, weren't were on the fence about which one to get, maybe that'll help you decide. Yeah, they're, they're definitely cool. I To this day, my thief has been steadfastly wielding full um, super adventure skins. So... That's a trend that's continuing. Uh, How do you feel about orange as a color? Is that is that doing it for you guys, or would you have preferred a different color? I like orange. Um, yeah, orange is okay. I know a lot of people wanted red and or purple because those were data mined before for potentially World 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am sort of glad that they didn't use red or purple so as to not exclude those as rewards for World 3 and or 4. Maybe so. Um, even though... I know, I know, I know. I was just about to get there. They they pretty much explicitly said that World 3 and 4 are way too taxing in development um, to do. And so it's not likely that they will ever happen. But I'm also sort of glad that they didn't ever rule it out. I'm glad that World 3 and 4 are still on sort of the quantum table, if you will. Um, they're not... Ostensibly. Yeah. I know. Like, I, it's not something I'm holding out a great hope for, but I think a lot of the... Um, a lot of the resistance, I, you know, I have no basis for this, but a lot of the resistance in my mind about being hesitant to build World 3 and or 4 is because uh, Super Adventure Box performed horribly the last time it was out. I think it was the, they said it was the worst of all the living story patches from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always sort of maintained that if they cleaned it up a little bit and uh, released it at a different time because they released it during back to school when nobody had time to play it or a large portion of the community did not have much time to play it, um, that it would perform much better. And I, again, have no basis for this, but I suspect uh, that Super Adventure Box is performing among the highest of festivals already um, based purely upon the number of people on my friends list constantly in super adventure box there's um, that i agree with you and i'm in like what, three or four i'm in four different guilds that is not one of them be one of them be in my bank guild and ro is the biggest but the other ones are not small guilds and there's everyone's in super adventure box all the time so i think that's great yeah, yeah. i think um 
another thing that it really has going for it is like I talked about last week how it was so flexible and it appealed to such a wide variety of players. Um, you know, Winter's Day is fun, but it doesn't have that. All those mini games, I can't ever play with my friends. Whereas if I just want to go and like screw around in Super Adventure Box with a couple people for a while, or if I'm getting sick of running trim mode by myself, I can jump in with Rabbit and we can have a little fun like comparing our routes and stuff. Like there's it's really flexible and appealing to a wide variety of players as a festival. And I think that's a key thing that will make it do very well compared to other festivals. Yeah, And it also well, doesn't fall during a holiday, so people aren't busy doing like other stuff. They can actually play it. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think what really needs to be understood about why it did so poorly the first time is that World 2 is immensely longer than World 1, and because there's no save system, like, if you have to leave, it just, you you just lose all your progress, and some parts of World World 2 were devastatingly hard, at least on release, and giving really long content that is also pretty hard that you can't take a break from until you finish it in a discrete chunk of time is a pretty bad recipe especially for the more casual players um like i have nightmares about that stupid ninja house with like (laughs) the giant gong it was miserable and i found out later that you could skip it through some shenanigan jumping which is you know all well and good but not you know this brings up something that i wanted to ask someone at some point not particularly on the show but how do you even get to the gong? Because I think I did shenanigan jump in it, and I've never even been to the gong. I had to ask Spirit how to get to the nunchucks, because I'm like, gong? What? When I'm reading a guide online trying to figure out how to get the nunchucks. That's the, like, the we're talking about the pagoda house where you have to follow yeah. the gong down, right? Yeah, but I didn't even, I've never seen the gong. I've never been to the gong. I've just, like, taken the clouds, not the clouds, taken the, um, taken the jumps, hit the gong, and jumped right to the ice platform. I hadn't to go through the house. The house that it's near where you get the nunchucks, I've always bypassed it somehow. Yeah, well, do you use the shortcut? No. No. I don't know. Um, it's, maybe it's a mystery. Yeah, well, do you go under it? Is that... Maybe that's what I'm doing. I, the, I don't know. That's the way that is the fast way, obviously, is that you go under, like, under the support structures, and you can sort of take some, if I recall correctly, sort of sketchy That might jumps. be what I did. I don't know. I know for a fact... I actually haven't completed that world since Super Adventure Box came back. Um, because I just don't care, and I have I nightmares. just know the reference point in that building that the the video showed me when I was trying to find the nun, nunchucks, super mm. nunchucks, whatever they're called. I'm like, where is this? I don't even know where this is. Yeah, uh, but uh, what I was going to say is I, I haven't finished World 2, like, at all, and I haven't finished that stage since since it came back, but in, I know that in World War... Uh, World 2 Zone 1, they... <laughs> World War. World War. Uh, I'm almost positive that they added some shortcuts that weren't there before, like not of the shortcut eagle variety, but actually just like some platforms that didn't exist because you had to yes. like at the very at the very beginning, there's like a little hand showing you pointing up and then pointing a frowny face to the left. And if I recall correctly, you always you used to have to go to the left and like navigate up a bunch of sort of tight ledges and waterfall jumps and you know if you fell you had to go all the way back and i'm pretty sure that they've put in several uh shortcuts that that just weren't there before and so it's entirely possible that that is just shortcutted around now um yeah um used to be that might be what's going on in my case. They yes, they've definitely done that across all the the world too. There's a couple new checkpoints that didn't exist, and right um, 
if you go on infantile or normal mode now in 2-2, you can skip um, the gong pagoda entirely and the puzzle one um, by just running around the side and there's a cloud shortcut to the end that just cuts out that whole section of the level. You can take the shortcut eagle around it and not... They took the infantile clouds out of that for some reason, but if you do end up over there in infantile mode, the a couple key traps are disabled that lets you just run around the outside of the gong so you, you don't ever have to go up of it. But it also wasn't as bad as I remembered. Like when I actually had to go and do the gong thing, I was like, oh, I remember crying about this. And then uh, it got there and I was like, yeah, okay, I remember vaguely how to do this. Ah, okay, this wasn't that bad. But I can definitely see like if you're still harboring that anger about it. It was it was long enough for me that I was like, yeah, I'll give it another try. But you definitely see like if it really messed you up last time, not ever wanting to go back there and see it again. It was bad. Like there were a couple corners that it's like you had to get on the inside of the gong on one side and then before it gets to the bottom get to the outside again and then immediately get to the inside again and it was so clunky like because of its movement pattern that if you just had like even a couple pixels outside like behind it when you shouldn't like they would see you and you would just literally instantly die and you had to start the whole thing again Maybe I'm a shitlord because what I did was I would start the gong, kill myself, go back from the checkpoint, and then wait for it at the bottom and walk out with it. Yes, also (laughs) that is the shitlord way of doing it, that when it came out, nobody knew that you could do that or to do that. So, you know, trying to actually do it the legitimate way, air quotes, is horrible. It's actually the worst. But do you think Moto really wants us doing it the legitimate way? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was designed to do it that way. Are we beta testing his game? We're breaking That's it right. for him. We're like, Moto, That's you right. need to fix this exploit before you ship Super Adventure back. Yeah, well... Before he yeah. ships it off to, you know, the northern Shiver Peaks. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I... But this brings makes me think of something that was said, um, and I agree. Something other people have said. I don't know if we said it on the show. But World 2, if they make ever get around to make World 3 and 4, they should make it not as long as World 2. Yeah, it's the length was the primary. The length and the lack of ability to log out and come back into a checkpoint was was the pri- primary combination of problems. Like, which I, I remember there was a big thing about it, and Josh Foreman got you know kind of chewed out, also kind of frustrated, kind of angry. And I remember he kind of posted some sort of angry stuff on the forums at the time about like, how can oh, you have yeah. too much content? And he made a big blog post that kind of blew up on his personal blog. And he had to talk to management after that and things like that. Um, And I remember sort of like face palming about him being, you know, saying, how can you how can you complain about too much content? And it was like, it's not it's not the sheer volume of content that's the problem. It's the quantity of time that you're expected to put into one discrete thing without taking a break. And if you do take a break, you can get kicked and or you just have to sign off and then you have to do it all over again. And that it was too long without checkpoints. Not that there was like too much total content, but that's all, that's all gone now. That's all in the past, but I did not know of this drama. Oh, I had yeah. forgotten, yeah, but yeah, that was a oh, thing. Oh, I've got, it? my mind is a steel trap for drama. Like, <laughs> I I remember it forever. 
I'm sure there's some ele- like animal. Is a it elephant? Never forgets. Yeah, yeah. Grywalk never forgets. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's that's all in the past now. But I don't. I think it was Raven, but or maybe it was Spirit. But I would love it if you were right that maybe they get high positive responses to this and they devote some more resources to it in future years because it sort of turned around their expectation or understanding. Um, so I hope I hope you're right. Whoever said that, that'd be Me cool. Too. It would be cool. Alrighty. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good. We talked about a lot set. for feeling like I a good had show. nothing to talk about today. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Spirit has a cast cast that she pre-recorded, um, so she's going to put that after this episode. But uh, otherwise, thank you for thank you for listening, and we will be back next week sometime. I will be playing Dark Souls and hating myself, so... You know, so we'll have a trader um, arcade again. Yeah, we'll have a trader <laughs> arcade. Uh, I'll be streaming it. It will be not safe for work. I cannot emphasize strongly enough if anybody happens to tune in. My it is not is safe for work language at all. You you have the most creative or not yeah, you have extremely creative cuss words. And I am <laughs> I am pleased to play uh cuss word Dark Souls bingo with that. I might actually do that. Instead of a bingo card and see if I win. Oh, dude, it's you. You're gonna have. It's gonna be much longer than bingo. Like you're the grid's gonna have to be pretty big. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I'm a fan of conjoining invective plus everyday objects because I think the juxtaposition is hilarious. So anyway, that's what I'm gonna be doing starting tomorrow night. And what's yeah, your Twitch channel? Was, I, I think it's just uh, Twitch TV slash Grybok, I think. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's what it is. So I'll I'll post it on the Twitters if anybody is interested. But, uh, yeah, uh, I will be back next week. And thanks for joining us, you two. Thanks. Bye. All right. Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast, about the cast of other podcasts, and the style cast of other podcasts. This week on CastCast, I have a special guest here. Uh, this is Jalinar from Chronicles of Tyria, and he has a special message for us about the Toga Party for MS. Okay, so I'm here to talk about uh, the Toga Party that's going to happen on April 16th. Toga Party is an event organized by Gwen, also known as Gaming World Entertainment Network. If you know about Ping Day in LA that happens normally around September... They're the same group of amazing people. Toga Party is an event to raise awareness and funds for the MS Society, also known as the Multiple Sclerosis Canadian Society. It's an event happening in Guild Wars 1 in uh, Lion's Arch and in Guild Wars 2 in Divinity's Reach, both on NA and EU servers, so everyone can participate. It will start at noon central, so 1 p.m., Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Server Time. Remember that Server Time is GMT and not BST Time for British people. What's going to happen during the Toga Party is you just have to show up, look in the Looking for Group. We'll have a bunch of taxis so people can come into the right instance. And we'll have a bunch of activities for, and we have prizes for anyone that just wants to participate for fun and spread the word about MS and know that it's important to spread the word. And also, uh, if you listen to Gwen Radio at 
gw-en.com. Uh, we're going to have some other prizes that are only going to be available to people that listen to the radio and stuff like precursors, legendaries, uh, a lot of tier six materials, a bunch of stuff from in-game. Also know that if you donate some money to support our cause, you'll also be eligible for a few prizes to receive in real life. So you'll be able to get some Guild Wars 2 swag. We have, I think we have still have a bunch of stuff from packs from a bunch of games and developers that were kind enough to give us some stuff. Uh, if, there, if you want to get in touch with someone to to donate prizes or to to ask about getting involved, I know it's sort of late in the process now because it's it, uh, the event is happening on the 16th. Yeah. Uh, who would you get in touch with if you if you wanted to ask questions or get involved somehow? Uh, if you want to get involved or help us in any way or just want a bit more information, you can contact Barbie uh, on Twitter. She's at Barbie1337. Or you can just send her a mail in game in Guild Wars 2 at yalif.4056. Yalif is Y A I L I T H dot four zero five six. Awesome. And since you're here, Jalinar, is there anything else you'd like to pimp or talk about that you're involved in in the community? No, really not. Everyone is boring. So. <laughs> no, uh, if you want to check us out, uh, I'm the main editor for Chronicles of Tyria, a website dedicated to f uh, fan stories about Guild Wars 2. Uh, we're at chroniclesoftyria.com. It's pretty simple. And we have a bunch of writers writing their story every week, and it's a bunch of fun. Are you? Do you have open positions at Chronicles? Uh, no, not at the moment. We're oh. pretty saturated. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's not a bad place to be in. Yeah, I'm the main editor and only editor at the moment, and I have seven writers, so... Oh, man. <laughs> We're having some fun. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to drop by and, and chat with us here at Relic. Thanks, Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Jal and I are raiding buddies, so I get to poke fun at him a few times. I'm raiding to raid. <laughs> This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. <laughs>